I spilled my stapler around. No, I thought it was my wine. I was extremely worried. Now that I know that it's something of yours, I don't care. (laughs) Right. So we started off with you bringing in soda waters and burping into the mic, and we've progressed to bringing red wine into my office. Having it on into your office. Oh, I'm sorry. I couldn't tell it was an office from down here on the floor in a bean bag. (laughs) And then put it. I mean, I I now who's relegated to the bean bag? How many? I volunteered. I'm being a gentleman. I've got the only desk chair because it's my office. Yeah, we know. We know. (laughs) We're aware. We're aware of that. Like, what do you think I'm going to do? Like, red wine burp? Because that sounds disgusting. No, I'm just worried. You, so, like, worried disgusting for me you, as opposed to disgusting for you, which I don't care about. He's worried it's going to spill everywhere and well, stain. Well, you stacked it right next to my piles of books and papers. I haven't and Not your precious pile of papers. And where where might that pile be? What do you mean? The answer you're looking for is the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's... Listen, dude, I've been in your room, okay? Yeah, yeah but I make no illusions about... I've only heard about... rumours of your floor, okay? I've still got no verification <laughs> that it actually exists. Yeah, I make no illusions about the fact that if I was to do that cutesy thing that people do on dating apps where they're like pros, blah, 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 cons, my cons would be my room is always messy. Always. It will never not be messy. I can keep it clean, but not tidy. Fair. Never. And I'm just at that point in my life where I'm just not even going to try or pretend. Jordan Peterson makes his bed every day. How's that working out for him? Actually, he doesn't. Have you seen his room? No, do you see it in the background of his, like, live streams or something? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. His house looks like a fucking bomb's hit it. A bomb full of World War II memorabilia. Yeah. Something's Um, disconnecting from your computer. What? Because I keep hearing the... So okay. it's doing connection and disconnection. Mm, that's there. Yeah. Oh, I know. Sorry. <clears throat> My phone, because I'm getting the the soundboard set up. Right. It's all good. Yeah, now's a good time to do that. Because the phone, because I use... <laughs> a few minutes in. I told you, I use it through my old phone, but the phone obviously, like the battery dies after a week of not being used at all and not being charged. Um. So let's wait awkwardly while he does this. Yeah. Sure. No, you guys you guys keep going. Well, this I don't have a video to Well, start I watched today. Mission Impossible 2 today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you on your um Instagram you said you were having a bit of a Tom Cruise fest. Well, the the other day I watched Collateral, rewatched that, but I hadn't watched it for like a decade. I've never seen that. I've I've seen Minority Report, but I haven't yeah, seen Collateral. Yeah. So a few days prior to that, I rewatched Minority Report, which slaps. Mm. Very good movie. It is a good movie. Collateral, I'm kind of like, I don't know why I rewatched it. I guess I wanted to see what I would get out of it this time because I remembered not being a fan of it when I saw it before. But it's like it's directed by the same person who directs Heat and anyone who's been forced to have a conversation with me for more than five minutes knows I love Heat. Mm. Have you uh, watched it recently? Uh, well, one of our friends said that they were watching it with their dad, but then their dad fell asleep and they were like, this movie is too good to just watch on my own. So they, they paused it after like h- half an hour. Dude, that sucks. No, but it's good. Cause it, it now means that I can go and watch heat with them. I have an excuse to watch it with someone else. Too good Fair. to watch alone. That's well, look, that's I mean, maybe, energy. No, I'm I mean, it's just someone that wants to have a, 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 <laughs> 
movie experience with with a friend or with a relative. I gave yeah. up on movie experiences when I graduated high school with no friends. Oh, look, I mean, I, I don't, see shit on my own. I don't now. give a shit about watching shit with people. Although, if I'm watching a movie that I like, like I'm rewatching it, I'm going to get something out of someone else watching it for the first time when they'll probably like it as well. Yeah, that's true. Like and having then we can that talk kind about of heat. Yeah, that kind of mutual experience. So at the moment, because I got my mum for I think Mother's Day, I got her a membership to um, a cinema franchise over here called uh, Luna, and they base they do like normal blockbuster films that come out, but they also do kind of like art films and film festivals and stuff. Um, and every now and again probably like monthly uh she'll invite me out and we'll go watch a movie together and we saw today see how they run which was actually really good it's kind of um it's agatha christie-esque and it's got all of like the the nods to a lot of her sort of stuff and the way that she writes and the way that people interpret her works and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. And Sam Rockwell was in it doing an English accent and that guy I don't guy, know who that is, but I know Sam that Rockwell name. he is in um What's his biggest role? Oh gosh. I don't know what his biggest role is, but he plays have you seen the terrible Iron Man two, the one that has whiplash? Yes. So he plays the 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 A guy, long time ago, but he plays the guy that Whiplash works with to try and bring down Tony that, Stark. That movie, like, compared to the first Iron Man, Iron Man 2 sucked. Yeah, Iron Man 2 did suck. It was terrible. Um, Cam, can you pull up Sam Rockwell, please, just so that Dylan can see who that is? He's also in Charlie's Angels, I think the first one. Yeah, oh, this yeah, guy, guy. Sam Rockwell. Give us a big picture. He is... Uh, I'm on the ground here. He's a really great actor. He's oh, also man. in... Could you have any less notable a face? He's also in Jojo Rabbit, um, which is a great film by Taika Waititi. Uh, yeah, he's... Uh, I just didn't realize how good of an actor he was until I saw more of his stuff and was like, man, this guy can act. So he plays a main role in it, a detective. Yeah, he plays a he plays a main detective in it and is really good. Saoirse Ronan is in it. She plays like the the constable that helps him um with the uh the murder that takes place. And yeah, it's just a really good little film. It's got it's very tongue in cheek, very meta and it like it understands that it is doing all of the Agatha Christie murder mystery tropes. So, yeah, it was just a really fun film. I'd recommend seeing it. Well, after uh, Minority Report, then Collateral, and what did I watch on the same day as that? I think Mission Impossible 1, as a, that was the same day double feature. Yeah. Um, I can never remember the plot. I remember the plot of Mission Impossible 2 and Vaguely 3. Uh, it's almost like my memory instantly wipes the plot of Mission Impossible 1 every time I watch it. Because I've seen it a handful of times, but I cannot remember what happens in I, it. I think that the plot of the first one is better than the second one. But the second one, to me, I'm not super familiar, but I know John Woo and some of his like stylistic tropes. So like yeah. the fight choreography and like some of the cinematography and stuff. Just throwing out words that I barely understand the meaning of. But it looks sick. It's a lot more stylish, I think. But mm. also, weirdly, 2 is much more dated than 1. Yeah. 1 came out in the mid-90s, I think 96. And and I'm thinking maybe it's because 2 came out in 2000, by which point I would, like, 
I, I think that when it comes to Mission Impossible, I'm familiar with the imagery from two because mm. I probably would have been seeing ads and probably like promotional tie-ins. I'm used to seeing Tom Cruise with the longer hair and the motorbike. So maybe it feels dated because that's the one that I have some childhood memory of and I don't have any of one because that was too early. But I like the new – there's like three different new metal covers of the fucking – theme song in it, yeah. including the Limp Biscuit one, mm-hmm. immediately dates the fuck out of it. But also I think because... The hair? The Oakleys? The, yeah. in uh, So the hair and the Oakleys, but also the fact that during the early thousands, it's when we were really kind of coming into CG and CGI, all that sort of stuff. And so... Oh, the opening <laughs> shot of that plane looks fucking <clears throat> dreadful. Yeah. So it looks Just get bad. stuck footage of a plane. It's like when you watch... So whenever I've watched the first Harry Potter film... Um, the CG in that, especially where like Neville is on the broom and he's being like, like thrown around on this broom is terrible. Like it's terrible. And I think that dates it because you now look at it and you can see. Wait, did you just say that you're rewatching Harry Potter? No, as in previously when I have rewatched Harry Potter. I was going to say you're off the pot. (laughs) No. Cannot, cannot with adults that are watching Harry Potter still. Be a man like me and watch Mission Impossible 1 and Mission Impossible 2. But also if I did did rewatch the Harry Potters, that's my prerogative and I'm allowed to do that. Watch Heat. Um, It's three hours. (laughs) Also, I wanted to talk about another film that I saw recently, which is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. And I didn't know that this was a film that was coming out. I didn't know this was a film that was coming out until my friend said they wanted to go and see it. And it is, it's a, oh, it's so good. What is this? This is a horror, this is a dance, so it's, comedy. No, That's it, a genre, dance <clears throat> comedy. It's kind of a psychological thriller and it's basically about all these like rich teenagers that are together in this house and they're there during a hurricane storm um, and they're playing a game. They decide to play a game called Bodies, 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 which is basically like the that touch murder game where you turn the lights off and then if someone, whoever is the murderer, touches you, then pretend to be dead and then you have to try and figure out who the murderer is. Um, they're playing that, but then people are actually like actually dying and it's getting scary and they no one trusts one another. And yeah, the, the twist ending is like... How are they amazing. dying? Are they just <clears throat> dropping dead or are they like... Is it some kind of final destination no it's supposed to it's supposed to imply that like one of them is actually killing yeah but how are they dead what do you mean like when they die how are they dead they've they've been killed someone has murdered them. in There's... what in what <laughs> how, how are they being killed what in what ways like when the light comes back on or like when they when they discover that the first person There's is blood dead everywhere There's okay blood everywhere so just blood everywhere <clears throat> no it's not just like they've got wounds they're quite obvious yeah this is what i'm trying dead. this is what i'm trying to get at like if they're wounded or whatever yeah, or if they're, they're just like they're, mysteriously no, dead. No, no, they're visibly, i mean it is mysterious but. they're visibly wounded so it's like it's quite obvious that Looks like someone has them. attacked them yeah and they're now dead but it's a great film and the twist at the ending is great i recommend going and seeing that just yeah it's also got pete davidson in it which is like was a surprise i wasn't he sucks. To be in it. He, he he has a real i got in trouble for saying he sucks in the midst of the kanye <clears throat> thing because he seemed like a super a, a sympathetic a did, sympathetic when, underdog who, how did you get in trouble i'm uh, not in trouble just the person i was seeing was like leave him alone uh. it's not fair what's happening to him I was like i know it's not fair but he does suck <laughs> Yeah, like it's a coincidence. He's that, a little, he's a little bit, that, he's a little that bit he overrated. Both sucks and is also being was um, a sympathetic underdog when B- 
billionaire and known crazy person Kanye West was publicly coming at him. Yeah, I would say he's a bit overrated and also with his whole, he did that stand up and he was like, Ariana Grande ruined my life by saying I had big dick energy because now it's like, I have to live up to that standard forever. And you're not bringing it up in your special or anything right now, making sure that anyone who hadn't heard it was definitely hearing yeah. it. Just you pull out real, your small penis. Feel real bad about that. That'll ruin it. Mm. I'm looking at his tattoos now. These are some of the worst hey, tattoos. Yeah, he looks like shit. Also, I, like, oh, I, but I did say that he dresses like shit, and this person sent me a few fit pics. I was like, all right, okay, all right, I, I stand corrected. He can pull off a fit or two. So the, the, the man does have a decent amount of swag at times for a white boy comedian, but, yeah, he sucks. He's I, not funny. Yeah. I think I get the whole deal that he's trying to go with here that it's like these are tattoos that are fun. Or he looks like someone put silly. Adam Levine in a fucking microwave for 30 seconds. Like not long enough that it severely fucked him up, but like enough. Yeah. What do you think of the Adam Levine shit? Oh, look, I don't know. I think it's it's no worse than everyone's comparing it to the the Try Guy stuff that's happened as well recently. What's that? Try Guy? Do you know who the Try Guys are? No. That's funny. (coughs) It's true. He is just like a beta cuck version of Adam Levine. Yeah. Yeah. Right down to the shitty tattoos. Yeah. It's, it's there was a like, meme that's like uh, Adam Levine went into the shop and said, I'll have the tattoos, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a, a group of guys on YouTube called the Try Guys. They started out on BuzzFeed and then they got popular on their own and left and became their own thing. Um, there was four of them. Their names are Eugene, Keith. Um, Important information. Ned and... Ned! I oh, I can't no. remember the other one. Anyway, Ned is the one that is important. What is Ned short for? Edward. No way. Yeah. Ned is short for Edward. Um, he... Basically, his whole shtick of the Try Guys is that he was the only one that was married for a really long time and he would always be like, my wife, my wife. He would talk about her constantly. Like, his wife was his personality. Recently he has been found out to have been cheating on his wife with someone who is employed by their company. Hell yeah, bro. Sick. So the Try Guys have basically put out a statement to say, Ned will no longer be like part of the Try Guys or working with us. And Ned was like... What is not going to be... They kicked him out of their... Oh, I mean, I don't even care. Because it's a work... It's There's a whole um, sexual workplace misconduct thing going on. because Because it's to do with... People. Sexual workplace misconduct. Well, because it's to do with the fact that there's this a, is a more power like a sexual workplace. Because there's a, a power dynamic there where yeah. he was her boss, essentially. Yeah, um, that's not on. That's yeah, it's like... a, it's a bit sort of yeah. So they've basically said we're taking time to regroup. Ned's gonna not Ned's not gonna regroup be a part of this as anymore. in a new member of the group. Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna uh, Ned's not gonna be a part of this anymore, and Ned has released his own statement to be like, it was a consensual relationship. It's like, that doesn't change anything. Really. I mean, uh, I mean, like, well, here's the thing. I, I think it's fine to have a consensual relationship. It's obviously like, it's slightly unethical to actively be dating one of your employees. I think it does. Happen. As opposed to passively. Well, no, I mean like, so, so let me, let me explain. So like you can, just people most i can't talk um 
most relationships, most adult relationships, I think, happen like at work because that's where most people spend most of their time. Like, unless you're going mm-hmm. to bars and actively going out on dates and stuff like that, it's very difficult to I mean, meet people unless you're going to work. That's how we got together. So. Yeah, so we we met at work. So that's a normal thing. I don't think there's a problem with people who are at the same level or in different departments dating each other. The issue comes in when there's like he's your boss and you're an employee. Yeah. But I don't think that means that it can't work. I just means I just think that it makes it more complicated and you have to be more careful. It's definitely fucked up if you're trying if you're trying to date your subordinates. I think as a manager you kind of have to be extremely hard to get. Um and you know, like I don't know what the circumstances of that relationship. Yeah, are. I I just don't feel like that's an automatic no. I under, like I I understand that it can be. I'm not saying it's an automatic no. And I don't know why they like. I think them firing him would have more to do with the PR of like he's a guy yeah. who cheats and we're like the we're the cool safe we're the, we're progress- the wholesome. Yeah, they're relatively wholesome, but also like I said before, his whole shtick was that. He's like, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife. Like he just, there's literally a compilation of how many times this man says my wife in videos. Yeah, I feel like, so. Oh my God, this is the energy of this mob. Yeah, so he's the the cheater. That's Ned, Um, yeah. But there. I thought it might be short for Theodore, like Teddy. Uh, So it it can be, but it's more for Edward. Neither make a lot of sense, but. Neither does like Dick and Richard. But that's why, uh, maybe, Dick-chid. maybe you don't know too much about Game of Thrones. I surely no. don't. Okay, that's not well. where it comes from. I know that's not where it comes from, but that's also where... that guy's name is Eddard. I know, but Edward. that's where he got inspiration for Ned Stark because Ned is short for Edward, and he just changed it to Eddard. Yeah, it's medi- It's fantasy sounding. So we'll just take one word and we'll change it a little bit. Exactly. Um. Yeah, so like these guys started out on BuzzFeed. They're wholesome, progressive. Yeah, that was really dudes. all I needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> they came from BuzzFeed. But funny that's, the that's the thing is, so it makes sense that they would kick him out just for like cheating on his wife because it damages the brand. Why if can't I remember scumbags. the name of the guys in the glasses? Why can't I remember his like, name? I'm sure they're friends in real life, but at the end of the day, like they are now a brand. It's like you know, the the whole ensemble is its own thing. Uh, so you it, like I would guess that there's some kind of business decision there where it's like, yeah, we can't have you on talking about your wife now because people are going to get mad. I was saying to someone the other day, they disagree with me, but I think with the Adam Levine stuff, I was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't, I don't think that it's a good thing to cheat on your partner, but I don't really believe that fucking superstars have regular ass relationships anyway. I think there's a lot more of them in fucking Will and Jada Smith style arrangements than we're aware of, but it's better for their PR that they are either straight up bachelors or at a certain age, they're, you know, they're family men or women. Yeah. I, like I, I don't, I do not fucking know anything about Adam Levine's personal life, but just when I hear like mega celebrity cheats, I'm like mega celebrity got caught cause DMs were released to the public. I don't, you know, or I, they actively leaked it to Sarah Well, and, and that's that's the, that's the next step of cynicism is like how much of this is just fucking manufactured anyway. Yeah, because now he can fucking put out a song ostensibly about it that really doesn't have anything to do with it, but vaguely alludes to it enough that people can be like, "Oh, he's addressing the the goss." 
mm. in a strained falsetto. What is with his singing, man? I, I, don't I don't know that I've ever heard any of his songs. Maroon 5. You must have, oh. yeah. Oh. You see, I don't know the names of the people in the bands. He's just like, just it went Maroon from being 5. a band to pretty much being his solo project and then he was like a judge on one of those shows, The now Voice, I think. One. Yeah. I think the other people are still in the band, but it's just like very, like, very clearly just him. Yes. That's- I mean, whatever. If they're cool with it, I feel like that's they're getting paid. But yeah, I think I feel like honestly, that's one of the better things. Like, do you know anyone else in in Coldplay besides Chris Martin? What know. are the names of the other members of Coldplay? No idea. Exactly, and that's the best thing. Who's the you other can just, people? You can in literally Queen? just be attached to the front man and get all of the recognition, but not have to deal with all the other crap. Yeah. yeah. What was the? So there was Jimi Hendrix and the Who. Like, what was the rest of that ensemble called? Uh, Jimi Hendrix and the Experience. I know Mitch Mitchell because he's one of my favorite drummers. Yeah, there you I go. I forget the uh, bass player's name, though. The bass player of the Jimi Hendrix Experience is, like, the drummer. The Jimi Hendrix Experience. There you go. Like, the bass player is, like, the drummer in the sense that he's the only one playing anything sort of regular and normal and holding down any kind of, like, mm-hmm. tempo or beat because... Mitch Mitchell plays drums like Jimi Hendrix plays guitar. He's just going nuts and it rocks, but you need at least one member of the trio to be holding it down so it feels like a song, and that's yeah. the bass player. Or you've got like Steve Miller band. You just like, you get one front man who's like, he's got all the charisma, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily write all the songs, but he's the front man and you just hang out in the back. Yeah. It's precarious because you might get kicked out and no one's going to notice, but. I'd say it's probably safer to have a, a you know, a life. You'd still, of, you'd still make money off of the royalties of anything that you were a part yeah, of previously, probably, though. probably less, and you probably have less of a negotiating uh, tactic. But, you know, how many times has the Joker been played on Spotify, do you think? Probably quite a bit. Yeah. How much money? I want to know how much Is that a good that. song? I feel Joker, like that song sucks. The Joker is a really good song. The what? live version is way better, though. Like, I, there's a video of them Oh, playing. are you a Steve Miller head? No. Um, just because there's a version of it that plays at work, which is a live performance. And it's, in my opinion, it's way better than the album version. So I tried to find it. And then there's just like... Every time they do it live, they just put so much more into just that song. I don't think I like any of their other songs. It's just that. But the album one is, it's all right. It's fine. But they have a lot more fun with it. Because it's got that bit that's like, That's the only bit I can remember. And that, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and that sucks. It's a, anyway, that's so lame. <laughs> there's, there's one where there's a live performance where uh, like they're all old now and it's like there's a bunch of boomers and Gen Xs in the audience and stuff. But it was like their last song for the night. They really, really go for it. And it's just, it's fun. And pe- I guarantee there's people there who just hung out just for that song because that, yeah, of course. that's their yeah, only probably. thing. Yeah, it's the best thing they ever did as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Hot take. The Joker is the only good Steve Miller band song. <laughs> Boomers are seething. Okay. It, okay. Which, what, what's the, who's the best Joker? What is the best Joker? Oh. Oh, um, are we segueing into this? Okay. We don't need Mark to spend Hamill. a lot of time here, but just because it's come up. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill? Mark Hamill. Yeah. I agree. What about 
between Heath and Joaquin. Uh, Heath um, is better for me in my mind. Yeah, I think Heath is a better... That's a good point, though. Like, I think I just like The Dark Knight more than I like I was thinking like this the, the other day. I think I, I just like I, that movie I think more. the The Dark Knight movie is better. Yeah. Mm. But I think as but, a as a portrayal of the Joker, it's hard because like he's not really the Joker. For I was the whole movie. yeah. That's, a, that's Wa- another thing. Joaquin is not really portraying the Joker. There's no. very small amount of time that he's on screen as the Joker. So whatever he's doing, portraying what is it, Arthur Fleck? Yeah, rocks very good. But is it the Joker though? Okay, so what's a better um, portrayal of like? non-Joker to Joker. Is it uh, Jack Nicholson in the first Batman movie? Or I still haven't Kingdom? seen that. You haven't seen? You've definitely really? seen that. No, I haven't. I I've remember seen... watching that with you as a child. No. You've blocked it from your memory. Is that the one that also has Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face? No, no Tommy Lee Jones same... is in the Riddler one with Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah, that's Batman yeah. Returns. So I've seen that and... I I am sure I've seen that, and I think I like that Tommy I've Lee Jones as Two Face in that. I think he's good. What's the um that the sucks. the Penguin and Poison Ivy one I've That's seen? Batman and Robin. That was what's his no, name? No, Penguin George and Clooney. Catman. What? Catman. 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 Catwoman. Sorry. Goddamn Catman. So it's Penguin and Catwoman. Yeah. It's Mister Freeze and Poison Ivy. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And then so it's... I've seen three of the four. I just had never. I, I'm sure I've not seen the Jack Nicholson one. You definitely have because I remember watching it with you. You put it on. I've seen all of them. I it doesn't matter. I've seen all of dubious. them because it's Tim Burton not... and Tim Burton just like they're not all Tim Burton. The are last, they not? The last two no. are Joel Schumacher, and that's why they suck. Yeah, because uh. they because the studio was trying to. Joel make Schumacher, more... I think, was the producer on the first two, yeah. but then so, he so got the... the first two were Joker and Joker, and was it Two Face? No, it was just Joker. No, no. What I are the first know. two what movies? What are the first two movies? Oh, the first two movies. Yeah. So uh, the Penguin one is the. That's a Tim Burton one. Yes. So it would be Joker and the Penguin and Catwoman one. So those are the first two. So those are Tim Burton. Yeah. And then things go downhill with... Batman Forever. Mm. Yeah. Is that the George Clooney with the nipples one? Yeah. That is Val Kilmer as Batman. George Clooney was Batman and Robin. Oh, yeah, with Mr. Freeze. And yeah. it's and hilarious. That, that, so things, things dropped off with the Val Kilmer one, but, like, the the the... George Clooney with the nipple ones killed Batman for like over a decade. Yeah. Like it wasn't until uh, Chris Nolan brought it back with the, uh, and Christian Bale. Oh yeah. Like just over 10 years. So yeah. we went from. It was so bad. It fucking tanked it. Yeah. 1997. And then 2005 is Batman. But there was begins. a lot of like, there was a, a lot of animated series in between. Yeah. There were, which was some of the dopest stuff. Yeah. But in terms of like that major, like a uh, big budget movie thing, like not no no one was doing that. Christopher Nolan's great anyway. I like a lot of his stuff. Uh, like, have it, you seen Tenet? Wah. Yeah, yeah. But that's not that's not specifically him. That's Hans Zimmer doing stuff <clears throat> for him. So yeah, I was I was thinking like, how does Hans Zimmer like think of how to compose a score? He, he just do- watches Jeopardy, and every time someone gets something wrong, just I reckon <clears throat> he just I reckon he sits in a room. 
with Have you, his there's sheet. There's videos of his studio. His studio looks fucking insane. Yeah, he sits in his studio and he's just making noises mm. for like three hours, like... Yeah. Yeah, Hans Zimmer Google Hans Zimmer studio. I have seen Tenet. And I you I like did. it because I haven't watched it yet, and people was shitting on it. But no, it, they people Ken shit on it because like it's it. no. What you didn't you say you didn't like it? I didn't say I didn't like it. You were jizzing all over the fucking office, raving about it. Yeah, because I, was I like, liked yeah, it. Yeah, it's all right. It's fine. I went, I saw it, and it was okay. I didn't like have a moment watching okay. it. Uh, yeah, there you go. So it's like creepy retro music awesome. shit in the back mm. it's also very tasteful and warm he's got books yeah probably books on music and a guitar that i bet he, there's a few of them it looks like it's come straight out of like a murder mystery novel from the 40s or 50s it does it's very Is that cool. a bunch of keyboards i can't really see from here it's no. very cool i like it i would that's so maybe i'll watch tenant i yeah. need to find what streaming service that's on i think it might be on disney Oh, look, he's got a guitar with too many strings. Too many strings. 12 strings. It's a 12-string guitar. Who would have thought of a 12-string guitar? Those things are crazy. That's nuts. Too many strings, Hans. You know how they work? No. It's just the same as a six-string but an octave up on everything. Yeah. Okay. So, like, when you fret, you fret two strings at a time because they're so close together. Yeah. So right. it's just like a constant octave of whatever you're playing. Yeah. That's interesting. There's one guy who How many got strings really... do you think you could get onto one guitar? I don't know. But there's one guy that used to um, do like finger picking on individual strings and he was quite – well, yeah, like it's it is difficult, but he played it really well and it was like crazy. Hans Zimmer with a banjo. Pretty is that sick. him? Yeah. He looks awesome. Look at him go. He's having so much fun with it. He's having a good time. Have you seen Brushy One String? What? Brushy One String is a Jamaican guy who can play the guitar that's just got one Actually, string. Actually, I think I have seen this. At some point, we do need to get What's to the topic. What's that Rogan Crowder Shapiro video? I can't hear this, but here we go. Yeah, man, this is Russia. I can't hear it either. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, up or down? No, it's good. Cool. Sure. Watch this. Look at him go. I'm saying this. You know, my name is Brushy Watson, you know. I've been to San Francisco, that's where I see my friend, Pancho. He said, hey, Watson, there's something you got to know, you know. I said, yeah. While we're back on San Francisco, I asked where we go. I wonder which string it is as well. Can you identify that from here? I mean, it sounds like the A, but the E string. This guy dancing next to him. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that guy rocks. Um. Why don't we start addressing the topic that we actually researched yeah, for this episode? The elephant in the coom. I don't know. I probably have more to say about Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> Gosh. Well, I'm going to watch 3. All right. So you guys had monologues or something? Not a monologue, but like, so off the back of the last episode that we did where Dylan was asking me, like, why women and I also specifically listen to true crime... And I, 
at the time was like, oh, it's because, you know, you're informing yourself as a woman sort of thing and you listen to it in order to be able to, you know, take note of um, anything that could, you know, potentially happen to you as a protective mechanism, but then also like a little bit for entertainment too. Um, And then I watched recently the Dharma series that came out on Netflix. Uh, It is called Monster the Jeffrey Dharma Story. Now, was he hot? Dharma? Yeah. He had people writing to him in prison, yeah, sending him money. Yeah, but I mean, so did Charles Manson. Yeah, Charles Manson is cute. I don't think... Is he? No, he isn't. I don't think it was the same as Ted Bundy. I don't think he had the same kind of like I don't know if I've seen pre-swastika. I mean... Because that'll really knock you down a couple of... Nah, if you ignore the swastika, I'm sure... I mean, women can ignore the, you know, murder... And the insanity. Mm. He doesn't, he's not looking good from... Nah. He's, I mean, like, you got to judge it by, like, 1970s standards. Actually, yeah. So, like, he is a hot 1970s guy. He's got a big, hot long, Hot 1970s piece of ace. He's got, like, the Jesus look going. He does have the Jesus look yeah, going. This dude young... is coming for your nan. Um, Look up Dharma. Literally. Anyway, continue. I just wanted to... To, to establish, because who is it? Is, is it Bundy that everyone thinks is hot? Yeah, yeah, Bundy was hot. Uh, I, see, I don't see it. I don't. But see he's it. the one that has the reputation. He is the among one people who aren't his sycophants. Correct. Yes. Um. Okay. Yeah. So Dharma basically he um his story is that he um basically murdered uh, a whole lot of uh men who were people of color and also usually gay. He himself was gay. Um, and he just, he had this thing where he, he was, he was obviously awkward and a bit sort of weird and people didn't want to be around him. And so when they tried to leave, he would just kill them. He would kill them to try and keep (laughs) them to, to try and get them to stay. Because this he, was before Jordan Peterson, so no one could help him at that stage. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he also ate some of their body parts and he... he I know would, that from a Kesha song. He would dissolve their bodies in acid and he it used to make anywhere he was, uh, anywhere he stayed, smell horrific. And so people would kind of catch on fairly quickly and be like it smells really bad what's going on yeah i I remember reading about that like it was a while of it stinking like yeah. something had died before the police even bothered to do anything yeah. and it's like pe- these guys get mythologized and it's like oh he was this evil genius this methodical no m- murderer and it's like no nah, he he was like an idiot the po- no it wasn't that it was that the police didn't care and also he was white and also anyone who complained was a person of color and at well, that's the time my point, it was like, like you're not a care. genius you're not amazing you just happen to white be, privilege you're playing yeah. on easy mode basically so i basically watched this and uh the first five episodes of it uh, pretty much all about Dharma and just about his life. There's no kind of like linear sort of sorting to the narrative to it. It jumps all over the place. So it was a bit weird. And I thought that was just going to be the way the entire series went. This is also, it's directed by Ryan Murphy, by the way, who did Glee and American Horror Story. Um, and then when Both you get to. equally horrible, <laughs> horrifying and shows. Then I had a weird fugue state of being into Glee for like a couple of months. I don't know what happened. 
But I went from not, from not thinking it was... Yeah, it was like that community episode where they gradually... Have you seen that? Yeah. Where they gradually rope everyone in? Um, Yeah, so when you get to the sixth episode of the series, the Jeffrey Dahmer series, it completely shifts tone. And so, like, I needed to get this out of my head because I was starting to question, like, why I was watching all of this stuff. And I've written it all down in here, so I'm just going to read some of it. I basically had a a bit of a a feverish moment where I wrote what is essentially an essay about it. You read and I'll crack wise. Okay, sounds good. As required. So, the social and ethical responsibilities of truth crime content uh as someone who loves true crime i'm constantly having to check myself to make sure i'm not crossing any lines it is important to remember that these are real people with real families who have been through unimaginable tragedy and loss i'm also hyper aware of the content being too sympathetic towards the perpetrator especially through their portrayals in film and television i listen to several true crime podcasts often while working or house cleaning and if truth be told sometimes while showering one in particular, freaky. Yeah, one in particular, more than most, morbid, which is hosted by two Massachusetts women and is full of banter and lighthearted interludes. The hosts have a knack for making the podcast feel like you're listening to two friends catching up over coffee. I often wonder if this casual exchange between the hosts is what listeners crave. It's a way for them to connect with the story and not just as an audience, but as participants. We all have an innate desire to know what happened in these cases. We want to be brought into that world. Um, there are other podcasts like Casefile that take a more serious approach and deliver the content in a very matter-of-fact way with little to no embellishment. While this approach may be more informative, I don't find it as entertaining. It then begs the question, if I profess to enjoy true crime, why do I not enjoy a straightforward presentation of facts? It's because I want to be entertained. I want to be engrossed in a story, and if there's no entertainment value in the way that it is presented, then it doesn't appear to do as much for me. If that is the case, what are the social... And ethical implications of deriding enjoyment from the sensationalizing and dramatization of true crimes. Uh, my recent consumption of Netflix's 10-part series Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, has made me wonder who really benefits from this content. The series is directed by Ryan Murphy, who has been responsible for such notable productions as Glee and American Horror Story. Interestingly, Peter Evans, who plays Dahmer, is a regular on American Horror Story, usually playing the sad, weird, and ultimately unhinged second fiddle to the other main characters. With this in mind, it is unsurprising that he fits so well into this role. The series follows Dharma from his youth in the mid-70s through to his arrest in 1991. It intersperses this with interviews and family members, sorry, interviews with family members and friends who are used as a framing device for his life story. Um, with a bit of creative license, the show tries to give the audience a sense of why Dharma is the way he is. Um, If this had been done over a few episodes, I probably wouldn't have had any issues. They're reminiscent of Mindhunter in how they frame the perpetrator as a puzzle or experiment to be dissected to understand the perfect storm of events leading to this nightmare. There are five episodes devoted almost entirely to this, this, which sticks out more as a sympathetic violin than as a cautionary tale. In the sixth episode, we begin to see things from the perspective of his victims, family, and neighbors. Each episode after that focuses on a different affected party and the impact his actions had on their lives. After watching these well-executed episodes, I wondered why was this not the focus of the entire series? I know why, and sadly it is because of ratings. What is our fascination with serial killers? Why do we like to watch these types of shows? 
They are macabre, violent, and confusing. What is the draw? The answer is simple. Humans are fascinated by evil. The dark side of human nature is a powerful force. It is interesting to see how far someone is willing to go before they break or how far another will go to achieve their goals. Humans are curious about what other... Sorry, humans are curious about other humans and what makes them tick. This is also why we love shows like Law and Order SVU and Criminal Minds. Although not classified as true crime, they typify the dramatic sensationalization of violence and crime in entertainment and media. Rarely are they held accountable for the stories and characters they portray, often citing that the events are fictional and do not depict any actual person or, or event. However, as anyone who has watched these shows knows, many of these stories are directly based on real headlines. So why are they not held accountable for the way they portray crime and violence? Quite simply, it sells. People want to be entertained, and although there are many positive ways... Uh, to do so, dramatizing real-life events is one of the most effective. It is this fact that makes the issue of media accountability so difficult. The entertainment industry has a responsibility to be more careful with how they portray real-life events and characters, um, but it's also true that they have a right to creative license. The question is, what are the social and ethical responsibilities of true crime creators and distributors? We talk about how news outlets should report the truth, but people don't realize that true crime creators and distributors are also responsible for their content. Perhaps this is because we have been conditioned to believe that their role is merely to entertain. Even so, as we see in docudramas like Making a Murderer, they can also serve as social commentators, providing an outlet for discussion on important issues like justice. It is important to acknowledge the power uh, true crime content creators and distributors wield, uh, but we also, but we must also acknowledge that this power is not always exercised responsibly. A number of docudramas have been accused of manipulating facts in order to create entertainment value. Murder trials are the most common cases where a documentary is accused of portraying the accused in a biased way that is more entertaining than factual. Docudramas have thus become extensions of our media-obsessed culture, where people can overlook ethical implications to produce content that will garner revenue. Um, if one were trying to categorize everything with a label, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, could be considered a more dramatic retelling than a true crime. As a drama, uh, it would not be bound by the same ethics and morals as true crime, as it focuses on events and crimes um, and on real people affected by them. It should qualify as true crime and be scrutinized accordingly. The series' portrayal of victims is problematic. It appears that most of the attention is paid to Dharma and his family, with very little attention given to the people he killed or their families. While this doesn't necessarily make uh, Monster the Jeffrey Dharma story a bad series, it does not mean that it sorry it does mean that it fails to fully explore what happened and why it happened. Um, I believe that we have become swept up in the sensationalized violence of these events and forgotten to celebrate and mourn the lives of those most affected. The Netflix series would have better portrayed Dharma's enormous impact on the community if more episodes had mirrored episode six, in which Tracy Hughes's life and dreams were explored before, during, and after his murder and all of Dharma's victims had been highlighted this way as well. I'm not saying that Dharma is not worth exploring or that he should be ignored. I'm saying that there is so much more to the story of these people than just their last moments. We've forgotten to tell their stories. I think that this is why I was so affected by episode six. It reminds us that there is more to this story than the headlines, and that even when we are talking about the most heinous crimes, there will still be people behind those headlines. Their lives are worth exploring and understanding as well. So, with that in mind, 
if Netflix dropped a um, documentary on like the Claremont killer or something tomorrow, mm. would you watch that? Um, that's a good question. It really depends on like how they did it, what they like, you what approach know they until took. You watched it. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying though. Is that it's on people who create content to be more responsible about it. And obviously, what does responsibility look like in this? Because I'm thinking about like it. It's you. You're right that it's like an entertainment thing, and I've I've got a couple of, of points from doing some some research on it as well. But before I get into my research, Cam's going to breathe heavily directly into the microphone. <laughs> I can't hear myself doing and that. That's why I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I think I was doing it while Ellen was speaking as well. And I could just move my mic away with we'll my hand. At some, at some point, I was like, what's that sound? There's several tracks. <laughs> Actually, it's more important that you don't do it. Yeah, I know. the same track, so I'll do yeah. this. Because we're uh, doing the... I can edit that out later. We're doing the Beatles, bloody Sergeant Pepper's doubling up tracks right now, bouncing mm-hmm. things down. Um, the, pe- the victims didn't do anything, so they're not interesting. Yeah, and I get because what Dharma did was kill a bunch of people, and it's like, oh, that's different. I get that, but if you had seen episode six and the way that they approached Tracy Hughes, I think you would change your mind. Also, the no, way that I, they approached the neighbor, I think if I'm, they had done it in a way where they took each episode as looking at the lives of the victims up until the point where Dharma came in and kind of and uh, and ended their lives, I think that would be. But they're only, and part of the reason I think why they're at the back end and I haven't seen it but part of the reason I think why they're at the back end of it is they exist in Dharma's story yeah Dharma is the central figure because he's the person that did something interesting and I know that that's fucked up but I think that that's how people look at it that's how people consume content who are these Mm -hmm. people what did they do he's the guy that did something it was something horrific but it was still something that's different or interesting or makes me wonder why or how and yeah and then once you sucked in you know these other people that are sort of collateral um are explored as extensions of his universe which i agree is is wrong but that's probably the the best way that they could structure it to make people watch it which is kind of fucked up i get that but but let me just say, so in that I thought about what would be a better way to structure things. And like I said, the first five episodes are all about Dharma. I don't think we needed, it's a 10, 10 part series. I don't think we needed five episodes to address Dharma's backstory. We have a lot of content already about Dharma. I think it would have benefited to have and maybe, Greg. maybe three no maximum. No and Greg. I, I know Dharma and Greg. Okay. Um, uh, I think maybe if we'd had three episodes maximum to address some of like contextualizing the mm. environment and then gone on to to the victims lives and how that happened it would still be a thing like a a series about dharma but it would focus more on the victims lives and and how they came to meet dharma and what and what happened after they met him or the yeah. circumstances they found themselves in. I just felt like they 
it weirdly changed tack and it's hard to explain unless you have seen it but the first five episodes are so disjointed and out of sync it just like there's there's no linear progression it kind of jumps backwards and forwards through time all over the place you kind of don't really get a sense of what's happening it's just jumping from one like um misdemeanor indiscretion sort of terrible thing in dharma's life all over the place stinking and like, up the place but and it gets so i think it would have benefited from maybe i said i said three maybe two episodes where it's like addressing when he's young and everything that happened there because he came from a very emotionally abusive background with his parents and then maybe talking about as he grows up and goes into high school, all of that sort of stuff in that first episode. Or you could be telling the the story of him, what he was doing in his life concurrently with the victims. Yeah. He was at school, they were doing this, so that by the time they intersect, those, you know, characters, they are real people. But within the context of a show, they're characters. They are fleshed out, so once they do intersect, it's like, oh, my God, he killed this person that I have just been following for you know, X amount of time. What uh, what I really would have enjoyed is Dharma's first victim. Um, what so his unofficial first victim was a jogger, and they, so they weren't they obviously weren't murdered, but they came very close because he'd kind of planned it. They were a jogger that was going past, and he was gonna like beat them to death with a, a bat hiding in the bushes. But they decided. I oh, think, what I think, what a genius! So I think they decided to not take the same running track or they skipped that day something and so they they didn't die and were like uh, they were, ruined the plan they were fine and so i think it the would have brilliant been brilliant genius it would have plan. been great thinking about it now to have two episodes like giving you context for dharma's life and then leading up to the point i think he was in college or something at that point with the with like the jogger and then finishing off that episode with him in college and then starting the third episode with the jogger's life and how they got to that point and showing them do that route continuously and then show them deciding not to do that route on that day in conjunction with Dharma planning to kill him and him getting away safely and then continuing on with the other episodes with other victims. I feel like... So the question is, would that have been as entertaining? I would have found that entertaining. I know enough about... So people who are watching this probably know enough about Dharma slash a true crime people that know enough about Dharma already. They're just in it to see what the, the latest portrayal of his him is. Like when they watch the Ted Bundy stuff or they watch the Ted Bundy tapes. I mean, not necessarily. People who don't actively consume uh, Yeah, especially crime. when something drops on Netflix that's big. People just watch it because it's the new big thing on Netflix. Yeah, like I don't listen to any true crime, but I watched the Ted Bundy thing when it came out because like that blew up for a while. I think that may mm. have been during COVID. Um, like so... They're not making it catering to the true crime fandom. So the, it's not like a Marvel movie. The Ted Bundy, they can't. In a way, they kind of are. The Ted Bundy one that came out with Zac Efron. So no, that was to pair up with the um, with the documentary that had yes. blown up already. Yeah, like, no, the the one with Zac Efron is somewhat told from his girlfriend's perspective, which is a better. Like a better way of doing that, and also a more interesting and new way of doing that, because all the previous stuff that we 
that we see about Bundy, it's obviously from like his perspective or if there's documentaries, it's like victims talking about stuff and they decided to take a new twist on it and talk about his girlfriend who was like seemingly oblivious to all of this stuff happening and it all just kind of coming crashing down on her the moment that it's all revealed. And I felt like that was a better a better perspective to choose to to have the film centered around much like where with this new Dharma one it's just same old same old it's from the killer's perspective like I just I feel like you could have done a better version of this series if it had been from a new perspective and a a, a better perspective rather than like Dharma's because we've seen that we've seen that enough so so you think like so you just have like creative uh like differences with the with the way that the show was done. Not just that, but I think like I said, when I got to that episode six, a light sort of switched in my brain. And like it wasn't it was literally not until I got to that episode six where they do everything from Tracy Hughes's perspective, where it was like, This is so much better and I enjoy this so much more. Oh my god, like I prefer I prefer watching this from the victim's perspective. Yeah, what does saw, that say? I, I can't remember where I saw it now, but I saw a bunch of stuff where people were like, oh, the first five episodes are really hard, really hard to get through. So, what's the ethical the ethical concern for you? I guess is just that they don't tell the uh, people's perspective enough. Yeah, the and victims' al- perspective, and enough. also that most of the victims' families are not consulted. So, a lot of stuff has come out recently after this this series has come out with victims families being like we weren't contacted about this coming out we literally found out when it got released that it was coming out no one told us no one asked us any questions no one asked us if we were comfortable with this coming out no one asked us if we you know had any like uh, thoughts about it any input nothing and it basically <laughs> but it no but it dredges everything up for them it i brings know everything i'm just back. laughing because i saw something on instagram about that how like families are complaining that it made them relive the trauma and there's someone in the comments that was just like don't watch it oh yeah sure. <laughs> um, and it's, i mean uh it's that's, that's very so, tone deaf so my response to that is, is basically place. just don't make dramatizations of serial killers yeah like i don't think that it needs to be a form of entertainment to dramatize a serial killer well, this, that this, this... Whose, whose victims are st- like all the families of those victims are still living i think that's this gets back bit... to why they're made which gets back to why they're consumed because mm. they're made to be consumed so why are they consumed yeah which is like what i was kind of trying to ask myself and explore and all of that and which is why i kind of segued into the law and order svu stuff because that is the true dramatization so it's not it's not skirting the line of anything of true crime it's proper dramatization but they are taking things straight from the headlines and they do do a an episode that is very closely linked um to btk um which it like BTK? Is that one of Bind torture kill. Bind torture kill. He was a, uh, a serial killer. I thought it was like and a so, K pop group. But they do their own version of it, RDK, which is rape dismember kill, because it's law not S for you. Awesome, dude. So yeah, and it's obviously so like a pray love situation. But it's obviously just taking BTK and all of that sort of stuff. I and don't think that that's as bad. I think that if you're like, yeah, I, get, I feel I like get, that's worse. <laughs> 
Really? I feel like it's worse to just like quite quite clearly like jack something, something that yeah. happened and just make a show about it that's not even informing anyone of anything. Like it's literally just using that tragedy for content. Yeah. And not yeah. not not for posterity, not for education, you know, not for dedication, like not for anything other than like, yeah, we need some I'm just, I don't know why I'm imagining uh, Ice T breaking this to the family. Yeah, we need something for our show. We need some plot lines. <laughs> yeah, I I get what you mean. Yeah, I was going to say that it's not as bad because they're like making it a different thing, but yeah, that's a good point. But it's quite Every week they got to find a new sickle for me to say, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is that it's quite obviously a rip off of that. And like if it was so far removed, like unrecognizably removed, maybe, but it's. It's obvious. It's obvious that that's what they're using inspiration for. And that's also what, like, see how they run. I was watching when I watched that today. It's got a part in it where the play that um, it, the whole film is centered around is based on an Agatha Christie novel, which involves a real More life. Like Agatha Christie. Which involves a real life um, tragedy. That happened and the whole thing is is centered around that and how she used that in her play and how it affects people so it's yeah it just is a a continuous theme of like where do you draw the line where like who is responsible for that for you know making sure that um victims families are not i mean the, the consumers are responsible unfortunately in the uh good old free market of ideas. Mm. And that means you. Yeah, I'm complicit. Women. I'm, I'm definitely not, complicit No, not it. just you as an individual, but yous as a plural. Yous. Women. You have the thing uh, is, though, ruined like, the lives of those families. The thing is, though. You're like Alex Jones. I'm questioning it, but I don't, th- like, I probably won't stop listening to <laughs> true crime and no, I probably I'm not won't gonna stop. stop. I'm not gonna but stop. I won't can't, can't make me stop. I won't stop watching Lauren and you guys Lauren seen Ted SVU. SVU is man, kind of looks like ridiculous. a SVU is kind of like a extremely attractive young man. A weird comfort show. I'm letting me eat my balls. Up yours um, woke moralist. Did that go did that go <laughs> through? Did, yeah. yeah. But um yeah, we I need think, Alex Jones drops. I yeah. think I'll just be more aware of when I am watching that sort of stuff, whether or not thoughts like, and prayers. No, whether or not like that particular episode or the, the mindfulness content that I'm listening is key. To. I'd like to pay my respects to the family's uh, <laughs> past, present, yeah, and you're going to do a land acknowledgement every, yeah. <laughs> every time you start. I'd like, to igno- I'd like to acknowledge the family. Man, I'm all for a land acknowledgement, but I went to a music industry event recently and there was land acknowledgement after land acknowledgement after land acknowledgement. The first one was great because it was by an indigenous woman and she made it, you know. Did she like, do a smoking ceremony? No, no, but she made it like participatory and like, you know, it was it was a bit long, but it was like, oh, no, this is good. And it's actually being delivered by someone like that's of the land and they're making it fun and they're getting us involved in giving us a bit of history instead of just doing the perfunctory blah, 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 blah. Mm. But then almost every fucking person that came up to speak and some people that accepted their awards did the perfunctory thing. It's like... No, just you may have had that planned in your notes, but you don't need it. It's been one and done. It's one been and covered. Done. It's been covered, and yours pales in comparison because it's so clearly like disingenuous. 
Yeah. But anyway, we went to the royal show uh, the last night of the royal show, and they had a which epic... is for non-royalists some kind of fair, some kind of county yeah, it's, fair. It's the yeah. agricultural show, so it's done by the Royal Agricultural Society. Also, I... hang on, I'm going to stop you there. No. I'm just going to apologize. I have farted, and it smells really bad. Oh, thanks. Hot air rises, Cam. I'm down here <laughs> safe on the beanbag. Cool. I'm getting you back for yesterday. Oh, he sat in front of me and farted the whole time. Just, it was foul. It was foul. We were outside. It's allowed. Yeah, okay, the rules that. are different outside. I don't know about the that. Rules anyway, are different outside. Royal show. Someone could beat you up with a baseball bat as you go jogging True. on your regular route. The Royal True. Show, um, they had an epic welcome to country. It was like a whole, like, they had a smoking ceremony. There was dancing. It was epic. Um. Yeah, I'm for it. I think you know. I think it's good, and I think oh, unfortunately was, yeah. sometimes they it's a it's a tick and flick. I would rather a tick and flick than nothing. Yeah. But I'm, when there was a great one up front, I didn't think that we needed all the subsequent tick and flicks because yeah. that's just uh, uh, me too. Me of, too. Um, I'm also woke. A lot of my uni lecturers do that. It and it's like, or if it's like the online ones, the recording, like before we get started, blah blah, and it's like you don't have to do it for every single video. And no, I, think... I, I like, yeah, I reckon at the start of each lecture, that's fine. At the, at I don't the start it... of each live lecture, but you're making a recording. Yeah, I, I still know. I still think that's fine. Again, even the tick and flick ones are better than nothing. Yeah. I mean, even uh, though I wish that they were, you know. I don't have a problem with it. I think, like, my main criticism is that, yeah, it is just like a tick and flick. But that's still feels... better than nothing. Yeah. But because then I... it's, it's just, re- it's completely relegated to the back of back of mind yeah i had a a friend who he was genuinely triggered by the fact that they were doing them at all so like and what uh what persuasion (laughs) is this is this friend of yours uh a man of mayo (laughs) a man of mayo i Um, think he's i mean he he says he's like italian or whatever but so he's white depends on how (laughs) yeah depends on how you feel about that demographic but yeah, so like he's he's a nice guy, but I think he's got some like anti woke uh, leanings. So apart from so not of, a nice guy, I think I mean he's a nice enough person. It's just his politics are a little bit fucked up, and like when it's not ruining conversations, he is a nice person. I think it's just uh, have you ever met somebody who has the right politics but is extremely annoying about them? Yeah, me. Yeah, so well, it's actually the, no, I'm yeah. not. Ex- I'm not extremely annoying about my politics. I answered too quickly. I don't think I'm annoying about my politics, but I am annoying. Yeah, so... um, He's got the politics. You've got the annoying. Yeah, this guy, yeah. I also have good politics. It's like that. I'm just just an insufferable person. It's like that. He just doesn't have great politics. But yeah, he was legit triggered by the fact that they were doing like Welcome to Country and it's like, oh, these, these woke unis... And I'm like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. literally, just dude. Fucking that's idiot. that's lame. You need to reevaluate your priorities as far as your degree is concerned, mate. Yeah. Anyway, what's the time? How long have we been doing this? This is two minutes and thirty seconds over an hour. Well, maybe we call it here on the free one, and we continue discussing things in the premium one. Premium. 